Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad that you're here today. We're glad that the weather has held up and it's actually no snow. No snow is coming down. So we're able to be here today and and uh, join in the the warmth of this fellowship and uh, and in the joy of worshiping our Lord Jesus Christ together. And we welcome everyone today and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God and be blessed by God as we do so today. Welcome our, our guests especially. Uh, uh, we're glad that you're here with us this morning. And we'd like to remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. We would certainly appreciate that. Uh, a few announcements that we have, uh, some things that are uh, coming up. Uh, beginning this evening, uh, Jika is leading a study of the book called The Present Future, which is a wonderful book. It's really a challenging book. Uh, ask six very tough questions for the modern church. And, uh, and so if you would like to be a part of this study, then be here tonight or this afternoon at 5 o'clock. I think they're going to meet upstairs in the youth room. We have books available for everyone. And, um, and if you'd like to be a part of that, there's still plenty of room. We invite you to come and share that time uh, tonight, beginning tonight at 5 o'clock. And I, I think tonight you'll kind of determine when the next one will be. It's, it's not every Sunday at 5 o'clock. It's, uh, the group will kind of determine what's a, a good time for the group to meet. Also, on Wednesday, uh, we will be hosting the Lenten lunch this week. The first Lenten lunch was this past Wednesday at First Christian Church. And this week, uh, as, as many of you know, the Lenten lunch moves around to different churches during the season of Lent on Wednesdays. And uh, this week, it will be at our church. Uh, that will be at noon on Wednesday. We will begin with a uh, worship service about a half an hour long and then share lunch together. And uh, Lana is in charge of our, there she is, Lana is in charge of our, our lunch during that time. And uh, we could, she could use your help. Um, we need help in setting up on Tuesday. Uh, we need help in preparing and plating the food and cleaning up and with drinks and with greetings and ushers and servers. And you see, we, we have all sorts of things that, uh, that we could use some help on on Wednesday at noon or on Tuesday uh, in preparation for that. So if you would uh, be willing to share your time, please see Lana and, uh, and she'll... She'll, uh, she'll get you uh, signed up. And she's waving her hand. I think she wants to say something. Okay, Tuesday at 9.30 for preparation. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lana. Also, on March the 10th, we'll be having our, our senior service day that day. And uh, we're going to be providing a lunch that day. I think we're going to do like a sack lunch type thing. So uh, you can see in your bulletin how we uh, need to prepare for that so we could use some volunteers 
on that day as well. And our youth committee is soliciting some folks to, uh, to host basically some food and fun times, some fellowship times uh, for our youth on Sunday nights. Uh, and, and basically what that will involve is opening up your home and maybe provide some snacks for our, our youth and just to, just to have a time of fellowship for them on Sunday nights. So if you're willing to do that, please see either Mary Rye or Mary Dunham, and, uh, and we'll arrange that as well. We are so glad that you are here today. It's uh, so good to share this time of worship uh, with the people of God. And so let's now stand and sing our song of gathering in his time. Let us pray together. Loving God, we come to worship. We come to be fully present, setting aside our distractions, the weight of to-do lists and all of those things that take us take us away from true fellowship. We come to bring you our burdens and our cares, our joys. We, we bring all of that, all that we are. And we come to recognize our responsibilities as citizens of this church, this community, and this world, and, and ultimately as citizens of your kingdom. We take these things seriously, Lord. And yet we find ourselves easily drawn away. We now lift ourselves to you for your care. Holy God, we are the church in all of its goodness and in all of its faults. In all of its triumphs and in all of its failures. And we consistently look back to scripture to find ourselves to take inspiration from the past. Help us to live faithfully in the tradition of our brothers and sisters before us. But help us also not to live there, for their world is not ours. Help us to respond with love and care to the world, a world that needs the church at its best, not a church that bickers over issues that ultimately don't matter. We pray that we reflect the callings of the church, so much so that, the, that future generations will look back at our time with a renewed determination and hope for their future. And we pray all of these things, O oh God, in the name of our Lord, our Savior, the head of the church now and always, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please join me in the responsive reading 
Today's responsive reading is titled, Cross. God, we are beginning a journey with you to the cross. The word is almost too big. We can't get our arms around it. Its meaning staggers us. When we hear you calling, we see you motioning for us to follow, and we want to follow instead of stopping. When we are exhausted, raise us up to walk again. When we stumble, help us up. When we want to turn back, keep encouraging us. Grant us the patience to prepare ourselves for the coming of your kingdom. Grant us hope that we may not grow tired of working for your peace. May we take seriously the meaning of your cross as we take up ours standing beside each other, daring one another to take the risk that you ask so that together we can live out your mission in the world. Amen.
scripture reading for today is from the book of St. Mark, chapter 8, 31 through 37. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly, and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thou behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not things that be of God, but the things that be of men. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So saith the Lord. Hello. It's on. Well, good morning. Um, so raise your hand if you have a best friend. Nick, you don't have a best friend? Yes, you do. Can I be your best friend? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> well, come here, best friend. Come here. Uh-oh. Our best friend. <laughs> Yay. Well, did you know that Jesus had a best friend? Do you guys know who his best friend was? The devil? No. Who do you... Good try. All right, his name starts with a P. Do you know any P's in the Bible? Good job, Peter! Yay! Peter was Jesus' best friend. And Jesus had made an announcement that he was going to... That... Hold on. Jesus announced that he would he must suffer, be rejected, be killed, and rise on the third day. So whenever he made this announcement, Peter pulled him aside and was like, Hold on, Jesus. No, no, no. You can't do this. Have you ever had your best friend? You're about to do something really crazy, and your best friend's like, Whoa, 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 wait a minute. You don't need to be doing this. Yeah? Like, no? Your friend's like, Go ahead and do it. Yeah? Well, Jesus, or Peter said to Jesus, he said... Okay, now listen, you can't be doing this. You are the king. You are Messiah. You are, you know, you can't do this to yourself. And he told, like she read in the scripture, he said, Now, Peter, get behind me, because if you were going to not allow me to go through this, you are falling in the footprints of, footsteps of Satan. And I have, I need to, to do this so I can um, come back on the third day. Um, Okay, why is this important? Well, obviously, you probably, because it it tells us no matter how good or decent or law-abiding we may be, we are all still sinners and need a Savior. And Jesus is our Savior. He is the one who brings about salvation through divine plan, not a human one. So he's got his own plan. He doesn't need Peter to make the plan for him. He's, Jesus says to us, if we want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Did I? Then. <laughs> All right. So thank you, Peter. <laughs> my best friend.
share in the Lord's Prayer this morning. Our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Beautiful. Thank you, choir. How many of you have ever experienced, had an experience in which you were anticipating something very bad? Ever, ever experienced that? Uh, most of us have. So the question is, how, did, how do you react when that happens? Because it happens from time, from time to time. How do, how do you react when that happens? Do you get nervous? Do your palms get sweaty? Maybe you have a hard time sleeping at night, or do you, maybe you lose your appetite, or maybe you gain more appetite. Uh, or maybe your whole world feels like it's turned upside down. I, I guess it kind of depends on how negative the event is that you are anticipating. One young lady was telling about her teen years when she had a very strict father who was very loving, but he did not mind disciplining his children with corporal punishment. And and one day her dad told her to get home by 4 o'clock and promised that if she didn't, she would get a whooping. That's what they called it in her neck of of the woods, a whooping. Well, unfortunately, she was held up for some reason. And it was clear that she was not going to get home by 4 o'clock. And so she started thinking about that whooping that was waiting for her at home. She started crying on the bus before she even got home. And, and she felt like her heart was about to drop out of her chest. But when she got home, she was relieved to discover that the whooping was not nearly as bad as the anticipation that, of what was about to happen. You might be able to relate to that, that sense of dread when you anticipate that something really awful is about to happen. In today's lesson from Mark, Jesus breaks the news to his disciples that he will soon have to suffer and die. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now think about that for a moment. Can you imagine that? Peter rebuking Jesus. Well, we kind of understand that a little bit, I think. We, this was news that, that Peter did not want to hear, and usually our first response when we hear bad news like that is to deny it or to look for some alternative option, or get a second opinion, change doctors. Surely there's, there's some way to change this situation. Jesus had just announced that he was going to die. And none of us wants to lose someone that we love, do we? We don't want to hear something like that. We want to hold on to every moment that we have. And this was especially true of Peter. He loved Jesus. He believed that Jesus was the Messiah. He believed that Jesus was the one who had been sent to deliver Israel. So how in the world could the Messiah be put to death by ordinary human beings? It did not compute in Peter's mind. He didn't want to argue with his master, but surely there was some kind of a mistake here. and Surely there was some way to beat this thing. And so Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Well, of course, what did Jesus do? He rebuked him right back. He even called him Satan, which probably was because he was reminded of his, of his temptations that he faced at the beginning of his ministry. And he felt like Peter was tempting him again to take the easy way out. But we can understand Peter's frustration can't we? In fact, each year during this season of Lent in which we are are now uh, a part of, we are confronted with this question, why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus have to die? And one of the most obvious answers is that it was necessary to fulfill the prophecy that was spoken about him. In Isaiah 53, we are told that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned 
to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, some of us may have a hard time with the traditional theories of the atonement, that Christ had to die in order to fulfill an ancient prophecy, or that Christ had to die in order to ransom us from Satan, or as a sacrificial lamb slain to take our place. And it's hard for us to understand that kind of cruelty, and yet yet the very first thing that Jesus taught here in verse 31 is that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected, and that he must be killed. He didn't say that he might die. He didn't say he might be killed. He said that he must die. And that tells me that that's a part of his mission. But why? Well, for me, one of the most compelling explanations is that he knew that many of his followers would give their lives in the years ahead as martyrs. And he could not ask his followers to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself. He knew that many of his followers would pay a horrible price for their faith. And he set an example by doing that himself. In light of what would take place in the years ahead, the terrible price that they would pay, how could he do otherwise? Notice what he says in the verses that follow his rebuke of Peter. It says, He called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. And do what? Take up their cross and follow me. And he's not talking about something you hang around your neck, folks. This is an this is an Uh, an instrument of execution. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Do you hear what he's saying here? He leaves no ambiguity whatsoever. Being a Christian is serious business. Let me let that sink in for just a second. Being a Christian is serious business, and it requires sacrifice on our part. There was a magazine story several years ago about April Bloomfield, a chef in one of Manhattan's trendiest restaurants. The restaurant's called The Spotted Pig. And April says that when she was first interviewing for the chef's position, the owners never even asked her to cook for them. Instead, Mario Batali, a famous chef in his own right and one of the owners of uh, Spotted Pig, hired Bloomfield on the spot the minute that he saw her scars. You see, like many committed chefs, Bloomfield's arms are crisscrossed with scars, healed burns that she's received while reaching into an oven or stirring a pot or rearranging things on a stove. And one author has said this. He said, chefs who bear no scars are not passionate about their craft. Their scars represent a person who is so focused on the food and so committed to excellence that she's willing to suffer for her work. And that brings me to the question that we are faced with today. Are there any scars on your arms? or anywhere else, at least spiritually speaking. In other words, are you so committed to any cause at all that it has caused you to suffer in any way? Some of you might say your work, and others might say your family. But let me ask this. Can you truly say that your commitment to Jesus Christ has caused you any serious inconvenience. My friends, people have suffered in every generation for following Jesus. 
just a few weeks ago, we saw the atrocious beheading of 21 Egyptian Christians simply because they were Christian. And they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. And there are literally millions of people today across our world who do not enjoy the religious freedom that we have here in America and who live in constant fear because they seek to follow Jesus and yet they remain some of the most committed Christians on earth. My friends, do you understand that the call to follow Jesus is a call to a radical commitment? It is. And something we should take very seriously. Dr. Mickey Anders gives a, a humorous example for the extremes that people will go to for a, a less serious cause. He tells about a question that appeared a while back on a website called the Remy Report. And the question asked was this. If the God of all things baseball said to you, I will let the Red Sox win the World Series this year, depending on what you will do in return, how far would you go to bring the World Series to Boston? That was the question. And there were thousands of responses, but each week the top five responses were posted on the website. And here are some of the answers there. In return for the Red Sox winning the World Series, I would be willing to. Doug said, I would be willing to use the same dental floss for three weeks in a row. Suzanne said, I would be willing to hand wash the team's dirty socks for the rest of my life. Sammy said, I would be willing to listen to Rhinestone Cowboy on a loop until my ears bleed. <laughs> Joseph said, I would be willing to give up my wife of 19 years. Whoa, I hope she doesn't find out about that. Arthur said, I would be willing to trade my mother-in-law. Stephen said, I would be willing to tell my wife where, where I've hurt, hidden her credit cards. And Chris said, I would be willing to do anything. I would sell my soul if I had to. Now, obviously, these are tongue-in-cheek responses. But this series, the season of Lent that we're in now, it offers us a unique responsibility to ask ourselves, how far would I be willing to go? How much would I be willing to give? What kind of sacrifice would I be willing to offer in devotion to Jesus Christ? You see, the call to follow Jesus is a call to a radical commitment. It is a call to offer our very lives as a living sacrifice to God. And that means that our values should reflect our faith. That means that our budget should reflect our faith. How we raise our children should reflect our faith. How we relate to others should reflect our faith. Every area of our lives should reflect our faith. And of course, in, the, in a sense, it already does. But unfortunately for some of us, it reflects a very weak faith. I mean, think about it. How often do we find ourselves putting other things ahead of our commitment to our Lord? How often do we focus on our commitment to God or to God's church only when it's convenient for us? or only when there is not something else to do that we may enjoy doing more. My friends, Jesus gave his very life for each of us. And yet there are many people in our society who call themselves Christians who can't even show up for an hour to thank him because something else has come along that they want to do more.
Does that reflect our faith? Yes, it does. But it is a weak faith. April Bloomfield has has scars on her arms that demonstrated her commitment. So the question I ask is, where are our scars? Where is our commitment? In the winter of 1966, a voter registration card showed up in the mail at the home of Vernon Dahmer. And on the surface, something like that's not really, it's really no big deal. It happens every day. People get their voter registration card. But this was different. You see, Vernon Dahmer was an African-American in Mississippi, and this was in 1966. This was the first year that he would be allowed to vote, just like any other person, without the encumbrance of an oppressive poll tax or backhanded laws of discrimination. So it was different in that way. It was also different because Vernon had worked so hard to make his right to vote a reality. He had worked tirelessly to make this happen. But what really made this different was that tragically Vernon Dahmer had died only a few weeks before this card showed up in his mail. On January the 11th, Vernon died of horrible burns to his lungs. You see, the night before his death, several members of the Ku Klux Klan carried carried out a plan to punish Dahmer for his efforts to bring equal voting rights to the black community in Mississippi. And in in the middle of the night, the KKK began firing guns into his house while others threw firebombs in through the windows. Vernon grabbed a shotgun and ran to the front to provide cover fire while the rest of his family could escape out back. And they all lived, except for Vernon, who was overcome by smoke and flames. My friends, you and I live such easy lives. Such easy lives compared to so many people who try to live out their faith. And I believe that this Lenten season is the perfect time for us to reflect on our lives and to really ask ourselves, what are we prepared to give for the things that we believe? One of the reasons that so many people hold the armed forces of our country in such high regard is that we know that the men and women who volunteer for that service are willing to make the ultimate sacrifice. Someone who has said that a veteran is someone who at one point in their life wrote a blank check made payable to the United States of America for an amount up to and including their life. And the question that I have is this. What if the world knew that the followers of Jesus Christ had that same kind of commitment? Mark tells us that what Jesus that Jesus called the crowd to him. And Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves. Take up their cross. And follow me. And whoever wants to save their life is going to lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the sake of the gospel, they will save it. For what good is it for someone to gain the whole world? All of these things that we put before our faith. What good is all that if we forfeit our soul? Jesus gave all. Jesus gave his entire life. Not only the life he lived, but the life he died. This is a time for us 
to seriously consider. How strong is our faith in light of that? How strong is our commitment, our devotion to our Lord Jesus Christ in light of what He has done for us? The call to Christianity is a call to a radical commitment. And it is a call to each and every one of us. And I know that we live in a society where we like to have fun. and We like to do our own thing. We like to go our own way. But to be a Christian, really a Christian, it calls on us to put Him as number one. I hope we can do that. And it's an everyday thing that we do. You can't do that once and just say, I'm done with it. It's something that we have to do every single day of our lives because, folks, we're always being drawn away. We're always being drawn away from, um, from what God wants us to do. And so every single day we need to stop and make that commitment all over again. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to deny myself, even though that goes against everything within me. And yes, Lord, I will even take up my cross if necessary. It means my life. And I will do whatever is necessary to be the Christian that you've called me to be. I hope that's in your heart today. And I hope that's a commitment that each of us are willing to make in our lives. And I hope it's a commitment that we stick to. If we do that, I will tell you today, our church will be stronger, the kingdom of God will be stronger, and we will be stronger. Because we will be the people that God wants us to be. Jesus came to tell us that being a Christian is serious business. But folks, let me tell you something. It is the greatest business of all. And so during this season of Lent, I want you to be asking yourself, what will you give for Christ? Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of commitment, number 478, Seek Ye First. And this is, um, this is so appropriate. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, and all of these other things will be added unto you. I believe that's true. You know, we seek after all of these other things, and these other things are the things of the world, the, 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 things, the, the fun that we have, the, the worldliness, the money, the, you know, all of these things. But Jesus was very clear, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these other things, they'll be taken care of. I believe that. And I believe that we do need to seek first God's kingdom. And I hope you do too. We're going to sing a hymn of commitment today. And maybe you want to commit your life to Jesus Christ this morning. Maybe you want to commit your life to the Lord. And to say, yeah, Lord... I am going to seek your kingdom first, and I'm going to put you number one in my life. We invite you to do that. Maybe you want to come and unite with our church today and be a part of our fellowship officially. We invite you to do that. Or, or maybe this has struck a note in you, and, and it's time to, to recommit. I think it is for all of us. Come and do that. We'll pray together. We'll share together. And we will recommit our lives together to the kingdom of God, to Christ's ministry. Would you come together as we sing number 478, Seek Ye First.
Um, I am presenting to you someone that you know well because she has uh, she was born and and raised in this church, Sydney Warren. Um, she has made a commitment to Jesus Christ. I spoke with Sydney uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, she has accepted Christ as her, her Lord and Savior. And she is making a commitment today to take up her cross and follow Christ. She's making a commitment to make the Lord Jesus number one in her life. And we know that that's not going to. She's not going to be the perfect. Are you going to be the perfect girl? No. no. I, I, I didn't think so, but none of us are. None of us are. She knows that, and I know that, and you know that. But you know what? Christ is a forgiving God. And God loves us that much. And Sydney knows that. But she's willing to make that commitment and to step out on faith and say, God, take my life. I'm giving it to you. What a wonderful commitment. And I would be remiss if I did not say to you what I say to everyone who joins this church. Everybody here is a minister of Jesus Christ. And you know what that means? You are a minister of Jesus Christ. And we look forward to the ministry that we continue to have with you in this church. And I look forward to the ministry that you have for us. Blessings on you. Join me in welcoming Sydney to the Christian family by raising your hand and saying amen. 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 Thank you. I know you'll want to come and speak with Sydney after the service and extend the right hand of fellowship and to give her your blessings as you rejoice with her. Let's stand for our benediction. As we go from here, our Creator, help us to go with faces that are brightened by peace and joy that we can find only in you. And help us to light the path so that others may also see and come to know the Christ that we love and adore, the Christ that we serve, and the Christ who sends us forth now as faithful followers. Amen.